0: Hi, this is David. I bet you've heard the saying that food is medicine. But the thing is, we also want our food to be quick and tasty. Factor has the solution. Their delicious, ready to eat meals make eating better every day easy. They deliver prepared, chef crafted, and dietitian approved meals right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including Kato, Calorie Smart, Vegan and Veggie, and more. Plus, there's extra things to enjoy. They have over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, like snacks and smoothies, that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. You'll be glad to hear that Factor is affordable. I've done the math, and Factor meals are less expensive than takeout. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash living50. And use code LIVING50 to get 50% off. That's co LIVING50 at Factormeals.com slash LIVING50 to get 50% off. Thank you. Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast. Today's reading was edited and adapted from A Life of Character, by J. R. Miller, published in 1894. It is better to have eyes for beauty than for blemish. It is better to be able to see the roses than the thorns. It is better to have learned to look for things to commend in others than for things to condemn. Of course, other people have faults, and we are not blind. But then we have faults of our own, and this should make us charitable. There is a divine teaching on this subject. Jesus said, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. But we need to understand just what those words mean. After all, we cannot help judging others. We should be able to read people's character and to know whether they are good or bad. As we watch another person's acts, we cannot help forming opinions about them. And the stronger in character that we grow, the keener will be our moral judgments. We are not bidden to shut our eyes and be blind to people's faults and sins. What then did Jesus mean by those words? He meant to warn us about making uncharitable judgments. We are not to look for the evil in others. We are not to see others through the warped glasses of prejudice and unkindly feeling. We are not to take on the function of judges as if people were answerable to us we are to avoid a critical or censorious spirit. Nothing is said against speaking of the good in those we see and know. It is uncharitable judging and speaking which Jesus condemns. One reason why this is wrong is that judging is putting ourselves in God's place. He is the one judge with whom every human soul has to answer. Another reason is that we cannot judge others justly and fairly, for we have not sufficient knowledge of them. Our judgments cannot be anything but faulty, partial, and superficial. We simply do not know what may be the causes of the faults we would condemn in others. If we did, we would be more charitable toward them. Some people's imperfections are an inheritance which they have received from their parents. They were born with weaknesses which now mar their adulthood, or their faults have come through errors in their training and education. There often are causes for the warped and distorted lives which, if we understood them, would make us pity others and be very patient with their peculiarities. We do not know what troubles people have, what secret sorrows, which so press upon their hearts as to affect their disposition, temper, or conduct. If we could read the secret history of our enemies, says Longfellow, we would find in each one's life, a sorrow and suffering enough to disarm all our hostility against them. For example, we wonder at a person's lack of cheerfulness. They seem unsocial, sour, cynical, cold, but all the while they may be carrying a burden which almost crushes the life out of them. If we knew all that God knows of their life, We would not speak a word of blame. Our censure would turn to pity and kindness, and we would try to help them bear their burden. Our hearts are softened toward others when they are dead. We hush our fault-finding when we stand by a person's coffin. Commendation then takes the place of criticism. We see the life then in a new light which seems to emphasize whatever was beautiful in it, and we place in their shadow whatever was unbeautiful. We are reverent toward the dead. Nothing but good should be spoken of them, we say. Death invests the life with sacredness in our eyes. But is the life any less sacred that moves before us or by our side? With all its sorrows and struggles and fears and hopes, we should be reverent toward the dead, speaking of them in soft accents, but we should be no less reverent toward the living. A great deal of our judging of others is misjudging or unjust judging, because of the fragmentariness of our knowledge of their personal lives and experiences. It would often time grieve us and make us sorely ashamed of ourselves, If, when we have judged another severely, we should be shown a glimpse of the other person's inner life, revealing hidden sorrows and struggles, which are the cause of those things in them that we have blamed so much. We have only a most partial view of another person's life, and cannot form absolutely unerring judgments on what we see and know. We see only one side of an act, when there may be another side which altogether changes its quality. On the back side of the tapestry is but a blurred mass of yarn, while the other side is exquisite beauty. Life is full of similar two-sided views of people and of acts. We see a man out in the world, and he appears harsh and stern. But then we see him some day at home where his invalid child lies and suffers, and there he is another man, kindly, thoughtful, with almost motherly gentleness. It would have been most unjust to this man if we had made our judgment of him from the outside view alone, without seeing him in his child's sick room. Our own imperfections also unfit us for judging fairly. As it's been said, with beams in our own eyes, we cannot see clearly to pick the most out of another's eye. One of the qualities that make us incapable of impartial judgment of others is envy. There are few of us who can see our neighbor's life, work and disposition, without some warping and distortion of the picture. Envy has a strange effect on our moral vision. It shows the beautiful things in others with the beauty dimmed. And it shows the blemishes and faults in them as exaggerated. In other forms too the miserable selfishness of our hearts imposes itself and makes our judgments of others oftentimes really unkind and uncharitable. A lack of experience in the particular struggle of another makes many people incapable of sympathy with those thus afflicted. People who have never known a care nor felt the pinching of poverty cannot understand the experiences of the poor. Another reason why we should not judge others is that our business with them, our true duty toward them, is to help them rise out of their faults. We are set together in life to make each other better, and the way to do this is not by prattling on about the faults we see in others. Nagging and scolding never yet made anybody better. Constant pointing out of blemishes never cured anyone of their blemishes. Perhaps there is a duty of telling others of their faults. But if so, it exists only in certain rare relationships. and must be exercised only in a spirit of tender lovingness. We are often told that one of the finest qualities in a true friend is that they can and will faithfully tell us our faults. Perhaps that is true, but not many of us have grace enough to welcome and accept profitably such words from a friend. A mother may tell her own children their faults, if she does it wisely and affectionately, never in anger or impatience. A teacher may tell pupils their mistakes and show them their faults, if it is done in a true loving desire for their improvement. But in ordinary friendship, one cannot accept the office of censor, even when encouraged to do so, except with the strong probability that the result will be the loss of friendship as the price paid for the possible curing of the friend's fault. Nagging is not a means of grace. There is a more excellent way, the way of love. It is better when we wish to correct faults in others, to be careful to let them see in us, in strong contrast, the virtue, the excellence, the opposite to the defect which we see in them. For example, I have a friend, who if one of his family or friends mispronounces a word, never pedantically corrects the error, but at some early opportunity finds occasion to use the same word, giving it the correct pronunciation. Something like this is wise in helping others out of their faults of character and conduct. An example is better than a criticism. Censoriousness accomplishes nothing in making people better. You can never make anyone noble by scolding them. Only gentleness will produce gentleness. Only love will cure infirmities of disposition. We should train ourselves, therefore, to see the good, not the evil, in others. We should speak approving words of what is beautiful in them not bitter condemning words of what may be imperfect or unlovely. We should look at others through eyes of love, not through eyes of envy or of selfishness. We should seek to heal, with the gentleness of true affection, the things which are not as they should be.